0: Today I want to read two passages of Scripture up front that's going to set the context and the springboard of what I'm confident the Lord has asked me to communicate to this community today. The first being in Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 3. Exodus 12 verse 3, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And then Acts 5, verse 42, And daily in the temple and in every house, every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I want to minister today on priority four, which is the title of this message, which is broaden our numerical growth to 20 new households. Broaden our numerical growth to 20 new households. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus is the name above every name. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you come to enforce the victory of Jesus to minds, to hearts, to homes. Lord, I pray that you would speak peace to your people, that you would surround your people with songs of deliverance, that Holy Spirit, you would enforce the liberty of Christ and that the light of God would shine in, pushing back the lies and the plans of darkness. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, make much of Jesus. It's in His name and for His glory, I pray. Amen. You know, Scripture and research are clear. That in order for there to be lifestyle changes, there must first be changes in our thinking and in our mindsets. Throughout Scripture, and now research backs up, you don't get significant life change without first there being significant change to the way we think and to our mindsets. You know, when I think about this, I think about in my 30 plus years of local church experience that I have found that the expectation of believers, their mindsets regarding church growth differs. You say, why is that important? Well, because for there to be significant outward changes, scripture and research shows there must first be a change in the mindset, and in the thinking of a person. And it's the same for followers of Jesus Christ and His churches. So I want to address, first off today, this issue of our expectation. So Roman numeral one, growth expectation. As a follower of Jesus Christ, is it valid for me, for you, for us, to have growth expectation? Or is it a yes and no, a maybe? When it comes to growth expectation, what is the biblical precedent or mindset or way of thinking we should embrace? Well, when you look at the book of Acts, oftentimes referred to as the Acts of the Apostles or better yet, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Meaning, what in the early church was the physical acts and demonstration? It's from that that we can Reach some conclusions regarding our expectation. You know, oftentimes when people read Acts, there is a, actually a false mentality. Let me go ahead and, in case you come from uh, this background, and let the Lord challenge you today, if that's you, that people try to read Acts and say that because it's just a historical account, that it doesn't set the precedent for you and I, that it's not doctrine. Well, that's unbiblical because all Scripture is given to teach and instruct us in righteousness, meaning to inform us on what is normative for God's will and God's people. Now, when you read the book of Acts, what you find is you find this, this normative. And, and oftentimes we forget that the book of Acts is not just recurrent, Uh, Recording events that happen over a course of a couple years. It's recording events that happened over a course of decades. So it's not like, oh, we read and say, well, that was just for a couple years or a small portion of time. The book of Acts covers decades and you see a common trend, you see a common reoccurring theme. And part of this theme is a reflection of the fact of what Hebrews 13.8 says, that Jesus Christ, the King of the kingdom, the head of the church, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what do we see in the book of Acts? Well, in Acts 2 and verse 47, you see that the people of God were praising God and were having favor with all the people, and the Lord added, someone say added, He added to the church daily those who were being saved. In Acts 5 and verse 14, the believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. I love that. In Acts 6 and verse 1, now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, that's growth. Acts 6 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Acts 9 and verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace and were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And they were multiplied. Multiplied. Common theme. Acts 11 and 21. I gave them this one for you. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Of course by this time if you don't trust that I'm not going to read what the Bible actually says and I don't know if there's much uh, help for, for the rest of this sermon but uh, I'm not going to misquote Scripture but Acts 11 verse 21 and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Acts 11:24, I think I gave on this one, for he Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord. Acts 16 and verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. You see it, not just one year, not just a couple years, but a consistent theme is the church of Jesus Christ was growing, people were being saved, there is increase, over decades, and it's the same for today. See, what we're reading here in Acts that Dr. Luke recorded for us, what we're reading is what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, being fulfilled. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18? I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. And what you read in the book of Acts is for decades Jesus is fulfilling the words that he said that I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. He didn't say they just won't prevail in 40 A.D. or in 70 A.D. or in 100 A.D. or 320 A.D. Jesus said because I have all the authority and my name is above every name and I've sent you to make disciples of all nations that I will add to the church, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. So when it comes to 2020 and vision 2020 this speaks to us that as followers of Jesus Christ this speaks to us regarding having a growth mindset a growth mindset see I've been around multitudes of brothers and sisters multitudes who didn't have a growth mindset they had what, what I used to have when I first came back to the Lord and surrendered to His Lordship they had what I call one of those last day excuse mindsets. Oh, it's the last days. Therefore, you know, the church is just going to dwindle. We're going to be few. We're going to be weak. And because it's the last days and, you know, the, so dark and, you know, this the gospel is no longer going to prevail. The gospel's no longer has the power to say. No, no, no. Listen. It doesn't say that in the last days Jesus won't build His church. It doesn't say in the last days that the gates of hell will prevail against God's people and His church. No. We can't have this last day excuse mentality. In fact, do you know the vision God's given us as dwelling places, community is manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. Why many people? Because the Bible in Acts sets the precedent that Jesus is going to build His church even in 2020 and year after year and the gospel will still prevail in the hearts and minds of people because Jesus Christ is still the answer to every searching human being's heart. He is still a sufficient Savior to a sinner's heart. He is a sufficient rest and stronghold for the seeking person. So this leads us early on to this question. Do you expect Jesus to build and grow His church? Maybe some of you say, yes, and I say, good, praise God. But maybe some of you just transparently and honestly say, you know what, Pastor Chad, I didn't come in here with a growth mindset, a growth orientation, a, a growth expectation that Jesus is still going to sufficiently reach hearts and reach homes and and that the church He's going to build and He's going to add to it. And and to you, I would say it's okay, but there's space today to repent. Now, part of repenting means to change your mind. Change your mind. Change your mind, change your thoughts because if we don't change our mind and if we don't change our thoughts regarding having a growth expectation, then listen, we cannot change what we do in our behavior. See, oftentimes the reason people don't see growth or they don't see the Lord prevailing is because they don't believe that the Lord can prevail. And because they don't believe it, it affects what they do. And if you do nothing, of course you're not going to see anything. Do nothing, see nothing. So this leads me then to a follow-up question. If we're to have this growth expectation, the next question is then who do you expect Jesus to use? If Jesus is going to build His church and the gates of Hades will not prevail, who do you expect Jesus to use? He says, I, I know. It's Pastor Craig. It's all up to you, big boy. So he said, no, 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 no. I know. Um, I know. I know. It's Liz. Liz, we've seen it. God's got something unique. He's put in her and on her it's all up to you, Liz. Make the church grow. no, no, listen. The mindset we need as this local community of believers and followers of Jesus called Dwelling Place is when we ask the question, who do you expect Jesus to you? That the answer, your answer, is me. That your answer is you. That it's you. That you expect God to use you to grow His church. To grow His church. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Using you even while you're still in process. Yeah, yeah. Using you even when you don't know all the answers. Listen, the early church didn't know all the answers. They didn't even have all of the scriptures we have today. And yet God used them. Why? Because it's not about our sufficiency. It's about depending on the sufficiency of the one who sent us and we represent Jesus Christ. And he said, I'll build my church. And he said, and I'll use you. And I'll use you to build it. He says, I have all authority. He says, I have a hand called the work of the Holy Spirit that can go into hearts where your hand can't reach. That I can go into mindsets and deliver people from wrong thinking and bondages and lies that I am still sufficient to save even in 2020. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, we currently, on a Sunday, we average 200. We average 200. And and we've been sort of consistent. We're right there. It's been sort of a consistent threshold. We can't think, just because we've sort of hit this threshold at 200, that we're staying right here because Jesus doesn't want to grow the church. No, no we got to have a growth expectation. What we're facing at this point is a lot of cultural expectations. What we're facing and dealing with at the size of our church is a lot of psychological barriers, personalities. People bring their their psyche, their their way of viewing things, their personality. Listen, we're facing a lot of execution barriers that need to be addressed. But regardless of those barriers, none of us as followers of Jesus Christ can accept a mindset other than a growth expectation that Jesus is going to keep building His church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. So when we talk about Vision 2020, we're talking about a a growth expectation that has its foundation upon the biblical precedent has a foundation that's based on the person and the work and the authority of Jesus Christ, the one who is head of His church, His people. Secondly, when we think about broadening our numerical growth to 20 new households, we need to talk about there's enough to go around. There's enough to go around. What do I mean? Well, look at Exodus 12, verse 3. It says, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father. He it is, a lamb for a household. What do we see from this text? This type and the old covenant and, and God was seeking to establish a nation, a nation that would live under His reign and he brought them out of existing worldviews, cultures, habits, ideas called Egypt, and he's bringing them out to establish them as a nation, a nation surrendered to his will so he could dwell in them and among them and reveal his goodness across all the nations of the world. What does he tell them to do? He said, there's a lamb for every household. The lamb is for every household. The Lamb speaks of Jesus. Listen, Jesus died for every household. Jesus died for every household on earth. He didn't just die for my household and your household. He died for every household on earth. And every household, because Jesus died for every household, can become a dwelling place for God on the earth. On the earth. When you read through the Bible, you can trace this theme throughout. That God has always been seeking and desiring more places to dwell on the earth to live amongst and walk amongst His creation. That's what He longs for. Now why does God desire every household to have the Lamb, to have Jesus? Listen, because God desires every household to become a dwelling place for God and His activities On the earth. When you think about that, you have to think about then that there's enough of Jesus to go around. If the Lamb is for every household, that means Jesus is sufficient enough to take care of the needs of every household. What it means is you and I don't have to fear that when Jesus wants to reach new households, that that means our household is going to have to lack things that we need from Him. No, no, listen, the lamb's for every household. Jesus is sufficient for all of the cares that we all face of every household. Jesus is sufficient to take care of all the needs of every house. We as a community don't have to say, well, now that there's 200 representing in many households, there's not enough of Jesus for more to go around. No, no, listen, there's enough of Jesus for more. There's enough to go around. There's enough of Jesus to go around and you and your household not lack His work. His provisions, His promises for you and your house. See, what gets a hold of enough households becomes the stronghold of a city. Maybe you've not seen this and understood this before, but in 1 Chronicles 11 and 7, we understand that the text says that David, David dwelt in the stronghold. And therefore, notice therefore, as one of my mentors said, when you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. It's because David dwelt in the stronghold. They called it the city of David. What are you learning here? See, you're learning that a city is thought of and called according to the dominant feature that dwells as its stronghold. David dwelt in in the stronghold, and because he was the prominent feature of that city, they called the city according to that prominent stronghold and feature, the city of David. Strongholds in the Bible, when you begin to study it and read about it, were was a way for Scripture to refer to what had the prominent trust of the people of the city. So when it says it was called the city of David, you can go read the story. The Bible says when David went up, all the men, all the men who were with David, who trusted in David, went up with him and they dwelt in this area and it became the city of David. Now here's what you find out biblically. That what the people trusted in was called the stronghold because what they trusted in, they looked to as the means to provide their identity, security, their protection, and their fulfillment. What are we learning? We're learning that there are strongholds in cities, and the stronghold represents what enough households in that city look to and what they trust in to be the sufficiency of for the demands of life. It's where they find their security. It's where they find their significance. It's where they find their identity. It's where they find their fulfillment. It's where they think that all the passions and desires they have will get met. But what you find biblically is so many cities didn't have the right stronghold. They didn't have their trust in the right thing. Many cities trusted in False gods, false ways of living, false beliefs. And they, in these false ways of living, thought that a certain idol or, or a certain thing could provide them the significance, the satisfaction, the fulfillment that they were longing for. Speaking of strongholds, Proverbs 21 and verse 22 says this A wise man scales the city of the mighty. Brings down the trusted stronghold. See, many cities trusted as their strongholds false gods, false ways of living. They they sought to find their significance and the fulfillment of the desires of the heart in the wrong things. And because of that, it set up a stronghold in that city. In Nahum 1.7, did you know? What it says? It says the Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And He knows those who trust in Him. See, the Lord desires to be our stronghold. Let me put it this way. The Lord desires to be your stronghold and the stronghold of your home and the stronghold of our cities. The Lord desires to be where we find our identity. Where we find our significance, where we find our security, where we find our protection. The Lord desires to be our trusted stronghold. The stronghold of our home and the stronghold of our cities. Why? Because listen, cities establish a region. Regions make up a state and our states make up our nation. And Jesus has sent and empowered His followers, that you and I, to disciple nations. Wow. When you think about this, this brings into issue this issue of our worldview. How do you and I see our world? And how do we see our purpose in the world? I want us to... Consider and ask ourselves in this time we have together this question: As a follower of Jesus Christ, is our worldview big enough? Here's what I mean by it. I'm sure you're like me and you found yourself in seasons where you're struggling just to believe God for your own heart. You struggle maybe in seasons just to believe God for another member in your house that you're struggling that the lamb that's for every house is actually for your house. That the lamb is actually for your marriage. That the lamb is actually for your children. And sometimes we're struggling just to believe that the lamb's sufficient for us and our few, and our home, and our children, when Jesus says, I have so much authority, so much power, so much ability, that I've sent you, and can use you to disciple not just hearts and a couple homes, but to disciple nations. And I think, oh my God, how often is my worldview, our worldview, not big enough? We're we're just trying to believe that He can still save in 2020 like one person. And Jesus is telling you and I as His church, I can save entire nations. I can disciple nations of what it looks like to live under my reign and let me be king in the ways of what life looks like the way God originally intended. That's, in 2020, a worldview we cannot let go of. That Jesus says, I have all authority, because I have all authority, I've sent you as my follower to disciple entire nations. Entire nations. Entire nations. So often I find we have a scarcity, scarcity, scarcity mindset that that G- Jesus isn't big enough. That there's not enough of Jesus to go around. And, and we, we get like this when we forget that the Lamb's to be our focus. See, as a community, we can't get this mindset that there's not enough of Jesus to go around. What happens is oftentimes when we get Jesus out of view and we start looking to people to do what only Jesus could do. Like for instance, I I can imagine people saying, well, I don't want the church to grow because if the church grows, I'll no longer be able to text Pastor Chad. I'll no longer be be able to message him. And I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa. There's a lamb for every house. It's not me for every house. It's not looking to me or other brothers and sisters to do what only the lamb can do for you in your house. And that lamb that we got to keep central and keep our focus on, He's not just for us who's here today. He's for every house in this city, every house in this region, every house in this nation, every house on the globe. Listen, Jesus is big enough to counsel us all. Jesus is big enough to heal us all. Jesus is big enough for all the needs of every house and of every heart. So listen, we don't have to fear that as we grow, me and my house and my needs will go unmet. No, no, listen. There's enough of Jesus to go around. Come on. There's enough of Jesus to go around. Now, some of you say, oh my goodness. Whew, time out. You know, I'm one of those people, I get overwhelmed easy, Pastor Chad. And And you just said that Jesus has all authority and He sent us as His followers to disciple entire nations. I'm done. Nap time. I'm out. I'm laying down. It's overwhelming. I don't know what to do. This worldview is too big. No, no, listen, listen, listen. We need a big enough worldview, but we also need it to be practical enough. And this is why we've done what we've done in January 2020 of talking about four priorities and emphasis for this year. That as we emphasize this year on the priorities, that is the practical, start where we're at, start with what we have, to be obedient to the big view that Jesus can use us, not because we're great, but because He's great, not because we have perfect performance, but because He had perfect performance, and He is sufficient for every house. So when we talk about how it would become practical enough, listen, we start with what we do have. We start with what we can do. We start with who we do have as a part of this. Meaning, we start using what we have in the natural for the spiritual. Our homes can be used to reach more hearts. That's why we have connect groups in homes. Because what we do have, some natural things, can be used for spiritual purposes. We start with what we do have, our career, our job. And we use it for spiritual purposes. See, I have found that the expectation of our heart and our mind invites the participation of our hands, our feet, and our mouth. Or let me put it this way. The lack of expectation of our heart and mind disables our hands, our feet, in our mouth. Meaning when we get a growth mindset and we say, wait a minute, even though it's 2020, even though there's issues, listen, there's always been issues. Read the Bible. They had issues. Churches had issues. The people had issues. It's no different today. And Jesus is the same, that He is the one that can enable us and has the power and the work of the Holy Spirit to raise us through and over the issues we face. And when we have a growth expectation, it invites our mouth, hands, and feet to be used. Because what we believe that he's going to add to his church, what we believe that Jesus is still sufficient for every house and for every heart, it leads us to do practically what? Listen, invite people. Give handouts to people that there's a place that regardless of where you're at on this journey called life, there's a place that will welcome you and walk beside you. And we'll keep pointing you wherever you're at in the journey that, su- that Jesus is sufficient. He's sufficient for the needs of your heart, and He's sufficient for the needs of your home. See, when we talk about practically what it looks like, it just starts with hearts and homes. What does discipling the nations look like practically? It just starts with hearts and homes. I love this. Story in Acts 16, verse 11 and 15. You see this story where you see growth expectation, you see that there's enough lamb to go around, and you see it all hits right here in the story of hearts and homes. Verse 11, it says that sailing from Tross, we come to this place, and from there we go to Philippi, foremost city, and stayed some days. In Verse 13, it says, On the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. We sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple. She worshipped God. Watch this. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. This is Dr. Luke writing. He was there with Paul at the time. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me, to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she, so she persuaded us. I love this. It's what I call a Lydia mentality. A Lydia mentality is understanding that when the Lord opens a heart, He's now opened a home. And you get enough people who's opened their heart to Jesus as Lord, and then they open their home to him as Lord, then you can get entire cities that learn to trust in him as the stronghold. Now that's the worldview of Jesus. It confronts us all. I remember when I first came back to the Lord. I, you know, I grew up in a tradition of church that didn't uh, value, prioritize, or experience the moving of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. Well, for the dysfunction that I came from and encountered, that wasn't enough to keep me with the temptations and the pressures of youth. So when I came back and surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, I was so hungry to know what the Scripture says about Jesus' authority, the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When Michelle met me, I was so wild. That's That's a nice way of saying so immature. I was, I, I was unbalanced at the time, but I was hungry to know about aspects of Jesus that I didn't know or didn't learn growing up in my church tradition. And I remember Michelle, uh, her father, you know, was was born in Columbia and uh, had this video that we watched. And back then, you know, we watched it on VHS. Some of you, you'll need to Google that when you leave, but... VHS, God forbid when they get dirty. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my goodness, trying to see and it's all, you know. But there's this VHS that we watched and it highlighted cities in the world where people open their heart to Jesus and every open heart becomes an open home to the Lord. And there was enough... Homes that got open to the reality that Jesus is Lord and King. And listen, it transformed entire entire cities. Entire city. Jails were closed because they were no longer needed. Bars shut down because people didn't need chemical dependency to deal with their pain. Why? Because there's a lamb for every heart and a lamb for every house. And Jesus is sufficient with what you and I face, and he's sufficient with what our marriage faces, and he's sufficient with our house house's face, Jesus is sufficient. And testimonies of how Jesus can become a stronghold of a people that says, you know what? What the world has to offer can't give me the peace, the satisfaction, the sense of fulfillment, identity, and satisfaction that this lamb that's for every house can. I love this Lydia mentality. An open heart leads to an open home. Some of you have an open heart, and I just want you to be encouraged today that your open heart is also an invitation for Jesus to now come into your home, that He's sufficient to deal with, not just what's going on in you and your heart, He's sufficient to deal with your home and your marriage and what's happening with your children. Jesus is sufficient. He's a lamb for every home and every heart. But notice what happens. Lydia invited them to come and stay. Some of you today, that's what you need to do. You need to say, Lord... I invite you first to start working in my heart, but I also invite you to come and work in my home. That I believe you're sufficient. I believe you're able. That, Lord, why don't you be the trusted stronghold of my home? That I'm not going to look to outward things and finances and this and that to be the place I find security and significance, but I'm going to look to you, Jesus. You are my trusted stronghold. That even if money fails like it did in the time of Joseph, You won't fail your people. Trusted stronghold. In Acts 5 and 42, says they were daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I don't have time to go through the depths of what that means theologically, Jesus as the Christ, but let me just interpret it simply for you. What they're preaching and teaching is Jesus is sufficient for what your house is facing. He's the anointed one. He's the one that has access and the ability to release all the provisions of God and the promises of God and the will of God for you and your house. And they're in every house preaching and teaching Jesus the Christ. You say, how do we practically start loving our city, Pastor Chad? Listen, it starts, the way we practically start loving our city is by loving the heart and the person right before us. Because an open heart becomes an open home. You get enough open homes and you can get a city who begins to look to Jesus as a sufficiency of their life, as the stronghold of their house and of their heart. See, listen, God has a lamb. and God has a plan for every house. But the devil has something else in mind for every home. You see this in the story also in Acts, in Acts 8 and verse 3. It says, As for Saul, this is before he was known as Paul, he made havoc of the church. We're the church. How is the devil's plan seeking to bring havoc to God's people? Here's how, watch this entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Saul was a servant of the devil, and he's seeking to enter every house and drag families into prison. And it's no different today. Listen, there's a spiritual battle for the homes of our city. There's a spiritual battle for our homes. If you're married the way God's designed it of one man and one woman, there is a spiritual battle for your house. There are two persons seeking to be the king of every home in our city. One is the devil and his demons who seeks to wreak havoc and drag and enslave and imprison people into bondages. And the other is the legitimate king. The king, the true king, Jesus Christ, who died and was crucified, taking all our hurts, all our hang-ups, all our wrong habits, everything that was wrong, Jesus took and became so that now He can make everything right that needs to be made right in hearts and homes. Jesus the Lamb provided by God for every home. He came to give us life and life more abundant. In the early church, they're in every home, in every house, preaching and teaching that Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is what we're searching for, and Jesus is the answer to even the current issues we're facing. Listen, what is that? Listen, that's the fulfillment of Exodus, a lamb for every house. In the early church, they're in every house saying Jesus is sufficient. He's not scared of your fears He's not scared of your hurts He's not scared of your failures He's not scared of the conflict He's not scared of what you're doing He's not scared of it He's not scared And though the devil is out to bring strife and division The blood of Jesus stands in the middle And it speaks peace It breaks down walls of coldness It breaks down walls of unforgiveness It breaks down the plans of the enemy To drag marriages apart And to bring people into depression And oppression and bondage The blood of Jesus speaks peace If God can unite nations that were divided through Jesus Christ he can can unite houses that seem to be divided that where the enemies came in the blood of Jesus today speaks peace it says no more it says that Jesus is sufficient to tear down every wall of hostility every plan of the enemy that Jesus is sufficient for every house because the stronghold of the home becomes strongholds in the hearts of the home It's homes and hearts. That's where it starts practically. It's hearts and homes. Because hearts and homes equals the culture we live in. And that's where practically the worldview of discipling all nations, that's where it starts. An open heart leads to an open home. You get enough open hearts and enough open homes, you can watch God begin to move in a city and push back the plans of darkness. And the reign of God and His peace and His healing and His righteousness and His justice And His love and His mercy can begin to flow in an area. As the band comes, today we're going to celebrate a picture. I'll call them up here in a minute. I'm not there yet. But we're going to celebrate the reality of how God starts practically discipling entire nations. It starts by an open heart. An open heart that then outwardly demonstrates that Jesus is the sufficiency of their life as Savior and Lord. We need not look anywhere else. I know some of you maybe have grown up in church and I've seen it time and time again where because someone's grown up hearing about Jesus and they've not experienced that He's sufficient for life, that they think they need to look elsewhere. Listen to me. You don't need to look elsewhere you just need to look longer and more clearly and more deeply at the true Jesus because listen he, he's sufficient for every need for every need, because the king of the kingdom and the will of God is at hand it's here but you know what the Holy Spirit wants to give you give us a growth expectation growth mindset and a big enough worldview. The Lamb is for every house and there's enough of Jesus to go around as He adds to this church, as He grows. And here's what I felt to leave us with today. When the Lamb Jesus gets a hold of hearts and homes, He can be manifested as our trusted stronghold in four key areas in the culture and the day we live in. So you understand that Jesus... Has purchased our liberty. The Bible says we are to stand in the liberty that Christ has purchased. But Him purchasing our liberty as His followers, one thing, walking in that liberty is another. The first two areas that the Lord impressed on my heart are areas that are important because they become bridges, bridges of respect. as we deal with those who currently don't follow Jesus the King. These first two areas are areas that the culture around us who don't follow Jesus, they value. And these values that the culture around us is embracing, guess where you find the real origin of them? Biblically. But there are brothers and sisters that though they're called to walk in this liberty, they don't. And what happens is, is it hinders our ability to influence and tell unbelievers that the Lamb's sufficient? You say, what are these first two that are to become bridges in us being able to reach unbelievers? The first two is finances and our physical health. And our culture around us, the value of financial stewardship is growing because we live in a nation that is being ruined with consumer debt out of control desires that leads to out of control spending and the majority of americans have consumer debt that means debt that's based on desires not needs and you see a trend now of the importance of now financial stewardship because people are realizing even unbelievers that the financial bondage they have So much else of their life and That's what the Bible says That's why Jesus talked about money so much Did you know even Billy Graham Billy Graham himself Spoke of this He said if a person gets his attitude towards money straight It will help straighten out almost every other area in his life Why? Because money represents your desire The out of control spending is just out of control desires But Jesus has came to be the sufficiency that we find our fulfillment and satisfaction in Him. Secondly, you see a big cultural trend in health. Health, why? Because our nation's being crippled, also financially, because of the health care issue. But you know what's crippling the health care issue? Is a false worldview and understanding that you can live however you want and not take care of your body and then in the end have someone take care of the results. That's not how God's designed life. We can't live for 40, 50, 60 years not caring for the body He's given us and then not reap the results of that towards the end. We right here, where we meet, two units is two places of emphasizing taking care of the body. Workout places. Now, there is an extreme of the health movement that's doing it for just the physical appearance of it. We're not to do it just for the physical appearance. We're to do it because your body is God's dwelling place. But how hard is it to tell other people who seeking to take care of their physical body that Jesus is sufficient for them and they look at brothers and sisters who are overweight, unhealthy, and can't control the desires of overeating. It hinders. These two areas, Christ has died to liberate us so that they can become a bridge of respect to be able to tell people that Jesus is the answer. The answer. The last two are not cultural trends. The last two is us being counter cultural, meaning these are two ways that we don't build a bridge, we stand as a blockade to a trend in culture that leads in devastation. And the last two, sexuality and pace of life. We live in an absolutely sex-drenched culture of the worldview that being more and more sexually drenched is the satisfaction and fulfillment we're looking for. You see the rise, right? That's why, uh, what's that book and movie, the, uh, the Gray, Fifty Shades of Gray, that's why you see it moving, because people are saying, wait a minute, I'm not fulfilled, but we live in a world, we live in a world that's saying it's, it's more sexual pleasures what we're looking for. Listen, as believers, God wants to empower us to be a blockade to that mentality. Say no. The Lamb is the sufficiency, and as a community, we got to walk with each other, and we got to depend and ask the Holy Spirit to do such a work in our hearts and our lives that we can be a blockage to say no. It's the Lamb where we find fulfillment, not in all of the sexual sensuality of the world around us. And the last one's pace of life. Pace of life. It's killing people. It's part of the. The thing, in foundation, it leads to other problems. Even some of the health problems. Even some of the depression problems. Pace of life. The cares of this life is ruling people like a pinball in a pinball machine. And we have to stand in power as the body of Christ, as a blockade to the cultural lie. That busyness is a badge of honor. Because listen, there is a kingdom pace. And the kingdom pace is in step with the peace of the kingdom. When we live with the peaceableness of righteousness and the peaceableness of God's kingdom pace, listen, we become a major blockade to the lies and the trend and the worldview around us. most people are weighed now anxious and God through Jesus can empower us to walk in the liberty kingdom the face you'll never find the gospel Jesus in a hurry you know why because he lived with the reality of God's promises over his life and his steps were ordered of the Lord that mankind couldn't touch one hair on his head until it was time for him to embrace the full expression of the cross. That there was divine protection, divine promises, there was a divine pace for his life. And he walked in the reality of the kingdom of God, which is peace. Peace. And as believers, we trust as Jesus to be the stronghold of every heart and every home. We see his victory manifested. Manifested. You say, Pastor Chad, why 20? Why 20 new households? Listen, one, because it's measurable. Two, it's doable as we trust and depend on God. And thirdly, because there's a lamp for every household. And it's practical to start with what we do. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.